and welcome to another episode of Tales from the CSAP Floor. My name is Ella Cheng Bradshaw, and I am one of your hosts for this season. I'm currently an Associate Sales Representative, or ASR, which is one of the two CSAP streams, and I'm currently based in Singapore. Now, for those of you who are listening in for the first time, this particular season focuses on all the major bases of the CSAP experience in a chronological order as well. So one of our last episodes, we talked about how to even get into CSAP, and that was, of course, about the assessment center. But today, we'll be talking about the overall CSAP experience itself, so anything and everything that goes on in that one year that is the program, or what you can expect in that one year of the program. And I'm super excited today because I have not just one, but two super cool guests joining me, both of whom were also previously ASRs. So over in Amsterdam, we have Nick. He was an ASR in the FY18 batch. He has a background in international business and languages, is an ex-professional cyclist, and was also a chairman's club winner of FY20. So Nick, welcome and thanks for joining us. And over in Tokyo, we have Momoko. She was from the FY21 cohort, so just the batch before me. Currently supporting the small business team, she studied international relations, and in her free time is also an activist for gender equality. So welcome, Momoko, and thank you as well for joining us today. So I was curious to hear about your guys' backgrounds before even joining CSAP, like whether you already worked in tech before, how you found out about CSAP, and just like how you got to where you both are today. So maybe, Nick, you can go first. So before joining Cisco, like you mentioned, I was a professional cyclist. Then I started uh, to study international business and languages, which I finished. And then after my studies, I was uh, one year a community manager for FinTech, where I was responsible for the European market, but also the African market. And actually, I also was expanding towards the Asian market to set up communities to match stakeholders with each other, uh, big banks, investors, FinTech startups. And then I indeed found the option to join the CSAP program within Cisco, and I think it's it's uh, an opportunity that I didn't, didn't want to miss. And also with the international orientation Cisco has and the opportunities you have within Cisco, I thought it was a good match for me to, to join this, this wonderful company. And then after the CSAP program, uh, which we will elaborate a little bit more in, uh, in a minute, I immediately evolved into a role where I was covering central government and European government based in the Netherlands. Uh, and actually since the beginning from CSAP or since the beginning as a virtual sales account manager within Cisco, uh, I'm covering the same patch for the last four to five years, I covered the same customer set up until today. It's a very different background that you had going from cycling to tech sales. It's a bit of a jump. Did you have any previous sales background prior to CSAP? Or was that one of the reasons why you were interested in it is because it was for people who are interested in joining the space? During my studies, it was international business and languages. So I focused a lot on languages, but also on, let's say, business, so sales, uh, negotiation, marketing and related, uh, related topics. I did an internship in, in Paris, in France, which was junior account manager for an exhibition company. So that organizing trade shows. And that's kind of where I got the hang of, uh, let's say, the cold calling, the building relationship to providing value to organizations, which I was quite interested in. So that was basically the first part. And then as the community manager, I also was to some extent providing value to different stakeholders within different organizations. So that kind of helped me evolve also to develop my soft skills when it comes to, let's say, the sales part of things. I think that's kind of why I wanted to move into a sales related or a customer building relationship type of role. Okay, that's super cool. All right, so that's Nick. Omoko, what about you? How did you 
find out about CSAP and get to where you are today in terms of work experience, maybe prior sales experience. Um, yeah. You know, as you mentioned, I've been an activist since college, and I was doing internship at UN Women, and I also did internship at think tank and also at politician's office. So I never had、uh, any experience working at private sector and especially IT industry. So I actually never imagined myself to work in IT industry. But doing、uh, job hunting in Japan, and there are a lot of like specific rules, and you face the reality of like how male dominant this society is, honestly. And so it was a very frustrating experience for me. But I met one people from Cisco, and he mentioned how Cisco really respects diversity and you know this kind of activism. So so he introduced me to Cisco, and that's when I got interested. But I also I spent three years in high school in America, and I always wanted to work in an international environment, and also wanted to improve my、um, skill to kind of like to be able to work. Anywhere in the world, not just in Japan. So I thought that program would be good for me. So yeah, I I joined Cisco actually in April in two thousand twenty. So I went through the training program in Japan, and then I started CSAP. Momoko also did CSAP virtually, just like how I've been doing it so far. But Nick, you're you're one of the lucky ones in that you had it in person, and that's one of the things that I really wanted to delve into today is just the contrast because Momoko and I have no idea what it's like to do CSAP in an in-person setting. So I'm not sure if you still remember maybe your first day at CSAP or how like the the first few days or weeks of your training was because it was in person. So Nick, if you want to delve, yeah, sure. So for us, the first day was basically getting into the office, getting your laptop.、Um, we were set up with I think about twenty five. ASCs or the sales representatives, and then I think also around twenty five ASCs or the engineering. So the first day was just kind of you get the laptop set up, kind of get to know each other a little bit because it was also the first time, and most of us were seeing each other.、Um, and then from then the first week, yeah, we we started having already some of the trainings as well in in person, of course. But then also we had、uh, sometimes actually we had the instructors also join virtually, so it was already kind of a hybrid、uh, type of environment. And I think actually the first A week was also quite interesting because there was a lot of activities planned around getting to know each other to get familiar in the new city. Like for me, I was already living there, so that was for me it was my hometown to, to say it like that. But for a lot of people, it was very new. It was very different. No one knew the environment. No one knew anyone within the city. So it was quite good to,、uh, especially in the first weeks, create really a, a tight、uh, bond with the with the entire team. Okay, so for for APJC, I'm guessing the main hub where CSAP would have been conducted like pre-COVID was Singapore, but in the Amir region, is that place Amsterdam? Yeah, for for most parts, yes, there are some other hubs for most countries within EMEA. Everyone basically or most of them arrived in in Amsterdam to do the training together. I can't even imagine. It must be so different actually seeing your cohort teammates in person. So I'm just curious about how your like your day to day was like. Did you have class like all day? Every day in the office, along with your with your teammates. Yeah, so it it depended a bit per day.、Um, we were of course expected to be in the office,、uh, which was back then like I also I just want to say the norm. And then we had trainings. I think from let's say nine in the morning till lunchtime. We had some lunch, and then sometimes in the afternoon we had、uh, a second training. 
Uh, or sometimes we just had some time off where we could prepare our role plays or that we could prepare certifications or also there was enough time still to get to know each other. So to even play ping pong or football or something like that, it was it was kind of a relaxed environment, especially the first couple of months. But along along the way towards the on-the-job experience, it got a little bit more serious as well. Was that one of the ways that you found you got to bond with your teammates because that you had that in-person interaction? Maybe it's some extra downtime in the office or what else did you guys do to bond as a, as a team? I for sure it helps so like of course the, the the new way of working where everything's gone virtually still is a very uh, good way to connect easily also with with others like for example now we have the opportunity to speak with multiple time zones within the same conversation but I do believe that in person still gives that extra touch and uh, yeah the, the the weight where we bonded was indeed more on the the, the activities outside work of course we were preparing together for the role plays we were to get preparing together for some tests and trainings and etc but i think that where we bonded the most was outside like in the evenings having drinks together going to dinner um, doing some extra activities so uh, i think that's the the place key so how is it for for you momoko then because you did it virtually like me as well what was your experience like first joining the program like your first few days or weeks and just getting to know your team a bit better getting acquainted with your facilitators and the lessons yeah i think we definitely used our chat a lot so i think that definitely helped us to get closer and we did make i think a lot of memories and even though it was virtual we had class like we had classes from like morning to you know, like afternoon and we spent a lot of time together. So I, I'm excited to see them in person. So just for context, by the way, the training portion of CSAP is six months of pure classroom style training, whether it's in-person, virtual, or maybe even in the future, it's going to be some sort of hybrid mix, during which they teach you all about Cisco's different architectures. So for me, I think every week or every two weeks, there's a different topic or module on a completely different architecture. So in those first six months, it was a lot of learning. So did you have any challenges when the training was in-person? In general, I think for me, one of the key things is the, like you mentioned, the first six months where you have different models and learn about Cisco architectures. Um, that really helps just when looking at people that joined externally, they maybe have the sales skills already, for example, but they struggle a bit sometimes with the with the actual understanding of the products, which I think is is vital for for the CSAP program, right? Because what we learn in those six months help us, and I think help everyone within that comes from the CSAP program to evolve even faster than perhaps when you join from outside directly into a sales role or an engineering role. Uh, so for for me, that was a vital part in in, in the CSAP program to just learn about to those architectures but in gen in general it's just uh, you have your peers next to you if you don't understand you can go to an engineer we, we were sitting on the same floor for example i was just going to an engineer and asked me hey can you please explain me how this exactly works and then we were going over together kind of like a, a preparation for a role play to say it like that and we were just learning from each other so for me it only provided me benefits uh, i would say to have it in person yeah speaking of role play i'm guessing you guys had that in person as well at the office what was that like well, we not all were in person. So we had, I think the first one was actually actually a virtual one because it kind of was more like a cold call, like uh, kind of to understand uh, how to respond. But in general, it was uh, just in person. It was easy just to grab a whiteboard and start whiteboarding. Of course, you can do that also here within WebEx, but you can read body language a little bit better because sometimes in meetings, you only see, let's say, head, head shoulder up. While in an actual meeting, you really see the body language of someone if they are like doing something with their hands. or So sometimes it really was like triggering you to look at the full picture look at the body language as well so that for me was very interesting to also learn a little bit more during these role plays uh, rather than the additional soft soft skills 
I didn't even think about it from that point of view in that because I guess Momoko and I are so used to everything being virtual, it kind of taps into a different kind of skill set. And I can imagine having it in person might have been even more nerve-wracking, but maybe that's just me. How is it for you, Momoko, doing the role plays and everything virtual and your experience with it? Yeah, it was definitely not easy for me, especially because... You know, I always kind of just imagined myself not working virtually, but working, you know, face to face with customers. So I think just getting used to that and because it was virtual, it was harder to get like a real feedback. And I think if it was on site, it would be easier to get kind of like ideas on how I'm doing. So yeah, I think I struggle with that mostly because it was virtual. That's a great segue into the OJE portion of the CSAP experience itself. When it comes to the post first six months of training, it's followed by OJE or on-the-job experience. I was curious to hear about how the experience was for you, Momoko, because you already had the six months of virtual training and then went to OJE, which is also virtual. Did it feel very seamless or did you also have a bit of an adjustment period then? It felt very seamless. I did OJE at VSAM and also at commercial sector. And both of them were, I would say, 95% virtual. But also being able to meet with your teammates, with your coworkers, it really helps for like a smoother communication. Especially, you know, when you're new, there are a lot of things that you don't know. And if you were at the office and if your coworker is right next to you, you'll be able to just ask, hey, what does this mean like can can do you have just five minutes but it makes it so much harder when you're working virtual but at the same time a lot of my team members they really try to help me and you know even though I'm not in those teams anymore I'm still really close with some of them so I really appreciate their effort okay so virtual or in-person setting aside what did you guys actually do in your on-the-job experience or your OJE like what did it actually entail maybe Nick you can go for I must say for me it was a little bit different so after the six months I kind of initially was assigned to someone kind of to shadow the persons or to listen into his conversations with customers with partners seeing how he does his job on a daily basis, which I basically did for more or less a month. But within Cisco, of course, uh, change always happens. Um, so basically after yeah one month in on-the-job experience, I was immediately moved into uh, like a full batch of account manager. So for me back then, that was a little bit of a, a different period. Although I was working quite closely with some of the more experienced field account managers uh, as well in that role. So that kind of gave me an impression of how they do. Th- and I think the good thing that I had is that I really worked with multiple account managers that were experienced in Cisco that had only one or two customers, for example. Um, and I really could listen into what they got out of their conversations, how they uh, set up meetings, how they deal with different situations. And I think for me, what was most valuable is that I was able to pick the things that I thought were very close to me that I could just take that from them, listen to them, and then just put it into my own routine. And um, I think that's what helped me the most in, on the on the job experience and kind of also led me to where I am where I am today. Do you remember some of those things that you found were the most valuable or biggest takeaways from that? 
I don't think they are very like it's not per se specific. It's more like how to approach like how to approach different scenarios. Like you really have to read the situation. And I worked with a couple of account managers. One was more like of let's say in, uh, the bigger picture. It was very much thinking in the bigger picture. One was very strict. One was like everyone had their own traits and their own pitfalls as well to say like that. And I kind of learned from that to take it into my own skill set. Uh, I would not say something very specific, but it's more like of. Uh, yeah, way of approaching things. I think that's for me was uh, interesting to see how others do it. And then I can copy it into my own behavior. So as part of your OJE, you mentioned shadowing account managers or people in the VSAM or virtual sales account manager space. Did you ever go for in-person customer meetings or customer visits too? So I, I, I was covering the, um, the public sector. And basically from the beginning, I was allowed to move to, to go to customers, to go to partners as well. Um, especially within the public sector segment, it's quite difficult to, or back then it was quite difficult to do things virtually also because sometimes the nature of the information they're sharing. Uh, so they preferred always on some meetings. So for me, it was a little bit of both. Of course, I had my hybrid or my virtual uh, sessions, my virtual meetings, uh, but also giving the country was quite small and most of the customers were half an hour away. It was not such a struggle to, uh, to quickly go there and spend half a day there just to see how we can help, how we can support and what's needed. And uh, yeah, for me, it was a little bit of both already then, like hybrid, so real life and, uh, and virtual. Okay. Whereas for Normal Co, I'm guessing it was completely virtual yet again. But so what did your OJE look like, like a, a day in the life back when you were doing that six months of on-the-job experience? So at BSAM, it was mostly calling, calling, calling. I think that kind of prepared me to be able to speak with customers. So I think that was really helpful. And then I moved to commercial sector and there I... I learned a lot on, you know, how to use tools, SFDC, CCW, all that kind of tools. And also I attended so many customers meetings, probably 10 meetings a week. And I remember when I first attended, I probably understood like 15% or 20% of it. You know, there were just so many words that I wasn't aware of. And I think as I went through, I started to be able to understand a lot more. So that felt kind of like like an improvement. And like what I got from OJE, I would say just kind of like prepare myself to be an account manager from talking to the customer you know getting knowledge about our solutions to you know being able to use tools and learning about all these uh, different rules and also because I was able to do it in two teams so it's really nice that I got to expand my network I love that based on your guys's on-the-job experience or OGE when you were shadowing how did that transition into your post CSAT vocation like after because I'm I'm generally curious because I'm doing a bit of a different structure and that I'm not really doing a VSAM role right now I'm actually in the field with my rotational structure so I'm curious to hear about how the process works like after the OJE did you guys have to interview for a role like a post CSAP vocation or how did it work in your experience? Yeah, so so from my end, like there were some um, people moving within Cisco and based on that, uh, there was an opening coming in the public sector segment. And like I wanted to be either in public sector or in, with a customer base with an international background, I was able to to get into that spot. And it re- I think it really depends on the situation. Uh, if you have to apply, of course, you have to apply for it. But in, yeah, it just uh, depends on when 
things open, what becomes available, where you are needed. Because sometimes uh, we initially started the program thinking most of us would become a, a virtual sales account manager. But by the end of the program, there was a need, for example, for virtual partner account managers. So then indeed shifts needed to be made. And yeah, yeah it really depends on the person itself, where they feel themselves comfortable. And if they are comfortable as a VSAM or as a VPAM or as a virtual sales specialist, that was always, uh, always an option within Cisco. And I think that's also one of the perks of working at Cisco is that there's so many different opportunities, which makes it also a little bit special. For sure. And how did you find that your on-the-job experience prepared you for your post-CSAP role? Or was it was it very similar? Was it very different? For me, it was very uh, more like of a seamless transition uh, because I immediately started basically after CSAP kind of already as a VSAM. I did not do too much of OGE. Now, of course, I was working together with, with multiple field account managers, which I also was still doing as a VSAM as well. So I had, or you can say that I had an extended OGE periods because I was working with multiple account managers for longer periods. Uh, but for sure, it helps. Like like Momoko also said, like it really gives you a lot of uh, int- uh, like feedback. The, the the initial conversations are always complicated. Uh, it's difficult to understand what partners want, uh, especially the partner part is a very important part for Cisco because we're not scalable without our partners. Uh, so also to understand what they need, what they want, it's it's like the entire aspect. And when you go through CSAP, it's a lot of information you get in and it's then difficult to make something useful out of it. Uh, I think the on-the-job experience really like teaches you how to deal with specific situations, how to deal with specific stakeholders. You should be comfortable making mistakes because that's also the period where you are allowed to make mistakes. Of course, I make mistakes on a daily basis as well, but there you really learn from them. And yeah, now you kind of deal different situation how I would deal with it uh, years ago. So it prepares you for uh, for the next big thing. I like to think of my first six months of CSAP as just pure learning. And then after the the learning portion, when you're doing your on-the-job experience or your shadowing, it's when you put everything into practice, whether it's knowledge about the architectures, like the portfolios of solutions or the sales interpersonal relationship building role plays. That's how I've interpreted my CSAP journey so far. But if you guys could go back and, and tell your CSAP self how to best optimize your CSAP time, what would you say? I would say make a lot of friends, first of all. Also talk with your coworkers, you know, outside of CSAP, but try to kind of also learn about the real experience. I think that will really help to kind of deepen your uh, learning experience at CSAP. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think one of the key things that I would say to myself, again, w- would also be, of course, expand your network. Within Cisco, everyone is keen to, to, to speak with you. One of the other things that is very useful is that you will learn from different stakeholders, account manager, engineer, specialist, or manager, has a different skill set, has a different approach. Just listen to them, learn from those their approaches, from their mistakes, and take them into your, uh, I would call it, let's say, take it into your back, back, backpack. And once you need to take the skill set out of your backpack, backpack and apply it uh, on, on the right situation. So that I think would be one of the things. And, and one of the other things is to continue to keep up to date with the latest and greatest from uh, our technology. I think that's one of the key things, especially with customers, with the digital transformation customers are going through. It's important to kind of stay up to date. Um, and once you know that also conversations will go a little bit easier towards uh, the partner towards a yeah, conversation with your customers. Uh, so for me, those are some of the things that I really would say to myself again, that to continue to do those things as I'm doing now. I love that from both of you guys. And one last thing before we wrap up, Anik, so you're actually part of the Chairman's Club winners of FY20. Is that correct? 
That's that's correct. Yes. Can you, and it's no easy feat too. So can you tell us how that happened? So a, a lot of people think that it has to do mainly with the overscoring part on your target, which is of course a big part because you need to be selected in the first place to the very few that are eligible. So in that year, I was able to exceed my target. But in in my opinion, that's not the only thing that's needed. You need to look at yourself, how you put uh, yourself within the team, uh, sort of your teamwork, your leadership skills, and your creativity. I was creating a lot of content videos so I created a lot of videos regarding how to use Webex how to set up meetings just for my customers to understand and to internally share like how to do these things and I think everything combined led the leadership team to select me as one of the lucky few to to travel to Hawaii and spend some time with leadership there that's so cool wait so also for those who don't know can you help us define like what is chairman's club it's an amazing experience where you are able to create your network with the leaderships. They really are listening to you to share your ideas because you're considered the, the top 1% of the organization. So they really take your feedback and then based on that, try to improve the direction of the company as well. So yeah, it's a, it was a, it's, it's a wonderful experience and I would uh, highly recommend it to everyone that's listening to this to go for it and try to get into that uh, top 1%. Easier said than done, though, I'm sure. How did you find that CSAT prepared you for that win, if at all? For sure, it was a, a major part in me getting there. But for me, the most important part was for sure the technical part where you learn about yeah, the different architectures, the different benefits our solutions bring, also the integrations we have with our own products and how that can help the customer. And yeah, those parts are critical for having good and meaningful conversations with, uh, with partners and customers. Is there anything else that you guys wanted to talk about or to mention before we wrap up for today? What I liked about the CSAP program is that we were able to interact with a lot of colleagues from different cultural backgrounds. And for me, that's very important because I'm very internationally oriented. So it's very good to be mindful of the the cultural differences, the, the different aspects in, in, in life there. So that's also something I appreciated from the CSAP program that we really were able to kind of learn from each other and, hey, what would work in your country, what would work in, in let's say, in the Netherlands, just to get a little bit more of an idea around that, uh, around those topics. And that wraps up this episode. Thank you both again so much for your time. It's been so much fun, and I'm sure we'll stay connected moving forward. <laughs>